We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 432. We're brought to you today by betonline.ag. Use code BLUEWIRE to get your welcome bonus. Day infinity in quarantine. Scott, how are you hanging in there? Good, man. Same thing, uh, you know, same thing, different day. Doing uh, doing some activities in the backyard. Got my. Uh, I'm getting creative, man. I'm getting creative in the backyard. Built a playground. Or I, I shouldn't say built a playground. I'm giving myself too much credit there. I assembled a playground. It came in two boxes. It was a pain in the ass. It took a long time. A lot of pieces, but I did assemble it. Um, I did not. How does a swing it. set? How does a swing set like that that you put together compare to like an IKEA table? I'd say it's probably pretty comparable. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lot of hardware. All very yeah, like an unnecessary unnecessary amount. Well, no, of hardware. It's, it's pretty necessary in this one because you got kids, you know, going up and down, it and it's, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts. Um, but no, there's just a lot. It's it, it, I'd say that they're all, you know, nece- necessary for the uh, construction of this thing because it's wood and screws and uh, it just takes a while because there's a lot of little parts like little boards you have to put up. He's got like a little rock wall thing going. He's got you know floorboards. So it wasn't bad. It just it, it's really easy. Just uh, just time consuming. That's all. Anyway, that did that. He's got that in the backyard. That's cool. Now I also have an inflatable raft. It's like a whitewater rafting thing, like a boat. I bought it. Oh yeah, I, saw, I, I bought saw it years ago, and it sat in a box for like three years, four years. <laughs> like it, it was a really, it was a nice one. It was a big, like you know, like six person boat, and. Uh, what kind of impulse purchase was that? I don't know. I think we were going camping and there was like a lake. I don't know. It might have been a river somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I bought that. Never got used. I'm like, you know what? What's the difference, Bevan, between a boat and a pool? She's like, it's not a pool. I'm like, it's the same thing. I'm like, they just do opposite things. <laughs> one holds water in, one keeps water out. But it's the same I'm like, goddamn I'm thing. Legitimately, it's the same thing. You know how long it took me? To convince her that that was going to be the boat and how she was like trying to take the pictures pool. of this thing. So you couldn't tell that it was a boat. Oh, I could tell immediately. It was, oh, this, this time, but see, like, this time there I was no you. hiding it. The first time she definitely hid it in pictures so that it looked like a, a, a pool. I know you and I know that you will go out of your way to MacGyver something. <laughs> if there's like a simple solution you won't do that. You'd be like, no, I'm going to take those seven things over there and build that, which we already have just because I want to. Right. So I know I knew you. I took a, one look at that picture in that video. I was like, yes, Scott got creative. <laughs> yeah. He's like went into his basement and was like, all right, what haven't I used in a while? Yeah. I was like, she's looking to buy these pools. I'm like, I'm not, we're not buying a pool. I'm like, we're not buying a pool. I, ref- I refuse to buy the pool when we have this perfectly good pool. That's awesome. And it's a boat pool. Like what little boy doesn't want a boat pool? <laughs> <laughs> it's really it is just the the inverse of i never thought of that yeah of uh, an inflatable pool. pool it's literally no different an inflatable pool like one of those little kitty pools yes is the inverse of a of an inflatable boat it's the same thing it's the same material just, it's, a, it's an inverse does, uh purpose yeah inverse purpose yes yeah so the only the only difference is that that you uh that you could do is in the inflatable boat ju- if you have this if everybody has a boat at home <laughs> Don't inflate the bottom. Don't inflate the raft on the bottom because it get, becomes very difficult to walk in, mm. in it. So I just leave it deflated, and now it's literally a pool. That's a boat, which is awesome. So I have co- I put the slide from the playground into said boat, ran the hose up to the top of the slide, rigged it up there with, a, with some climbing rope and a couple of carabiners, 
bam, now we got a waterfall with a water slide into a boat pool. Done. Give me a beer. A boat pool. Give me a beer. Turn some music on. Play. <laughs> Kemp's going to be telling his friends in like 15 years, like, yeah, my dad, I didn't even have a real pool. My dad made me <laughs> swim in a boat pool. You were lucky, kid, to swim in a boat pool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that was Sunday, I think. Cool. Could have been Tuesday. Pretty sure sounds, it was Sunday. Sound, sounds like a fun time. Uh, hope everyone out there is hanging in there without sports. I don't know. what I feel like people are, are using the Michael Jordan Yes, we got the Jordan uh, thing. thing. Yeah. That's, it as, is something, right? As the sports. I guess. ESPN definitely bumped that up and, uh, and gave us the Jordan doc early, which I do appreciate, I guess. It's, it's something that's – I don't know. Did you watch the Alex Smith documentary on Friday as well? No. Whoa. I didn't even know there was an Alex Smith There was one. Actually, Dom told me about it. Why I didn't know it existed. Why Alex Smith get a documentary? Because he broke his leg. Yeah, it's kind of like the comeback from that, like the whole thing about what But he's not even playing this year. I, I don't know what his deal is. I, I, I didn't see the very end of it. I was kind of doing stuff while I was watching it. But it's crazy because they go through the whole thing. They show the leg. Ugh. So, but they show the leg like post-surgery. Like They show it before surgery. It's gnarly, man. It was. He had some crazy things going on with that leg. Didn't he have to have something like dozens, thirteen surgeries? surgeries I believe. Oh, I think yeah. it was thirteen, like, just, and then he went. I mean, the the guys made probably I don't know. I'm guessing sixty million dollars. Probably more than that. Career. I think he got a big quarterback contract. Yeah, but I know, but those don't always get guaranteed because didn't the, I mean whatever it is. Yeah, he's made enough money for him and his next couple generations to live on. If your leg is mangled that badly, just like money doesn't matter at that point when you're talking about like your your quality of life. You know, you're looking at what what he was going through and like, oh my goodness, it was bad. It was gross, and it looked like uh, so they had to do all these surgeries, and then he ended up actually going down to some uh, military rehab uh, place in Texas where they essentially they're rehabbing people who have you know uh, injuries from war, <laughs> like multiple mm-hmm. gunshot wound thing, you know, types of injuries. So they were definitely contemplating cutting his leg off and all that. So anyway, whatever. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> they were contemplating amputation. Oh, yeah. It was that bad. Like, you see these pictures, you're like, oh, my God. It looked like Ugh. he was, like, climbing Mount, climbing Mount Everest, fell off of Mount Everest, and then also got the black, got the black foot. It's like... Um... It's like in Austin Powers 2 when Will Ferrell falls down the cliff and he's like, I think it's becoming gangrenous. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. It was pretty pretty ugly. So he uh yeah, so he's making a comeback and now I'm rooting for him. So yeah, sports works. Those those is he, uh is he on the Redskins? I think right? he's he I think he's still on the Redskins. I think he's trying to come back. I could be wrong, but the end of it looked like he was throwing football and running and doing things and looks like he's trying to make a comeback. So uh whether it's there or somewhere else, if he sticks, who knows? Uh, who knows how, how that's going to go? But uh, good for the dude. Yeah. And the Jordan thing is cool because it's, it's like nostalgia. You know, bringing back things I yeah, didn't even I've been, know about. I think I'm like four. I, I didn't watch yesterday's. So we're recording this Monday morning. So Sunday's, I know they, they're airing two episodes. I have not seen those yet, but I watched the first four. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, I mean, I'm not a huge, I was never a huge NBA guy. I liked Michael Jordan because everyone in the '90s liked Michael Jordan, but like I don't, I don't think I have the same attachment to everything they're talking about. Like I don't recall any of those playoffs. You were too series. young. Well, you were, you were young. Yeah, you were too young. But and you probably the yeah, only reason I mean, you remember was, the Yankee stuff is because you've keyed on it so much, and your dad, you have like these like, memories that are attached to other things. Jordan, when Jordan retired for the second time, I was ten. Yeah. So, like, yeah. 
I, I was I, young. I, any... I was young. I mean, when he was, I mean, in 98, no, but in 98, I was, uh, I was 18, but he was, you know, in his prime in the early 90s. So I was, you know, 12, to, uh, you know, on, on through high school. I saw something A-Rod posted on uh, Twitter or something. He um, was talking about MJ when he played baseball. Yeah. And he was like, I, I think we glossed over it at the time, how impressive that was to even for him to like be a competent double A player. Like he wasn't a great player, but he hit like two something. I think he had like over a 300 on base percentage in double A. And we've seen football players go and play baseball, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, but no, no basketball player like those like football and baseball. I know there's like not much correlation there, but basketball is so focused on like what that skill set is. It doesn't like nothing of it translates to well, also to their body baseball. type. Their body type is hard for baseball period. I mean, you get a guy who's you don't see very many six, six baseball players that are a position player. You know, you, you see them on the mound, but you don't see that many of those. Yeah, like Aaron judge yeah. is the only one car him and Stanton are like the two biggest. There's, there's other guys, but there's just, there's right just not now. very many of them. And especially, uh, it's just, it's, it's a harder thing to do. I think with, um, with your coordination and things, but no, he was, but able his to point was to be that good at basketball, right. To be un unequivocally the best in the world at basketball means you have to spend 24 hours a day playing basketball right. and thinking about basketball. And he was still able to wake up and then go to double A essentially. Yeah. No, it's impressive. It really is. I mean, they, they definitely used it because it was Michael Jordan and he got the opportunity because of that. Who knows if he gets to that point, but he did. You said there was production there. It wasn't high, no, it wasn't it wasn't, high production, it wasn't but great. it was something. It wasn't great, but it was something. And it makes you... It like A-Rod basically said, if in the 80s, instead of basketball, Jordan dedicated, dedicated himself to baseball, he would have been a Major League Baseball player. Probably. If he got there without really trying very hard, then yeah. yeah. Or if he was, I didn't say get there, but if he was able to, to hang out there for a little bit, you know. Right. I mean, Tim Tebow hit, he's like hit like under 200 or something like is he that, getting, right? Is he getting better? Tebow getting better? <laughs> I mean, you have to eventually, right? You do something for long enough, you're going to get better at it. Yeah. I don't know. That's, no, it's, it's definitely a, a, an impressive feat for sure. The guy's a freak athlete. Yeah. And um, you ever watch that Jordan Rides the Bus ESPN? I think it was an ESPN documentary. No. Maybe an HBO one. It was about him um, playing double-A baseball and how crazy those games were. Like, like the tickets were so hot because everyone just wanted to see Jordan. They were treated like they were NBA champ, you know, NBA final games where that's like how the demand for a double a baseball game would be in like bumfuck Alabama or whatever. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, you have a guy like that. Who's he's a global superstar, you know, going into these uh, minor league stadiums is, uh, is pretty wild. So yeah, I can only imagine what the scene was. And those double A players who ordinarily would have been playing in front of a couple hundred people were suddenly playing in front of twelve thousand packed stadiums, and they learned real quick what it's like to be on the big stage. And that's what I remember from that documentary. I haven't seen it in a, in a long time, but I, I remember do watching it. Yeah, big stage for different reasons. I mean, there's a guy there. Everybody's there to watch one dude, so it's not like they're into the game. It's a little little different. There's a lot of people there. Yeah, it's nerve. There's a lot of people there. That's. I mean, that's like. <laughs> Doing your thing in front of a hundred people versus doing sure. it in front of ten thousand is a big difference. Yes, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. 
doing it in front of and, Michael um, Jordan, which is more, which is more nerve wracking, yeah. doing it in front of 10,000 people or doing it in front of Michael Jordan. Right. Like you're a pitcher and Michael Jordan steps up yeah. to the plate for the first time. You're like, Oh my God, I, I, I can't throw a strike right now. I can't hit this guy. <laughs> right. Like what, what happens if I drill him? Right. Uh, but then it's sort of like, um, uh, now I'm like recalling things as I, as I'm talking about it at first, his teammates were like starstruck and they're like in awe of him. And then they kind of realize like, Oh, I'm better than him at, at this, that like in the context of this, I'm better than him. So now he's just one of the guys. Yeah. It was kind of, it was kind of funny. Yeah. But I could see how it, how it happens in a strange way. Like in the beginning, how there's just like this, uh, you know, this, this celeb, you have, there's a celebrity essentially yeah. in your clubhouse now, like wearing your the uniform with you playing next to you. And you have to realize at some point that he's still a baseball player on your well, team. Sports are, it's an equalizer, right? Sport, like the baseball was an equalizer. And then, on that playing field, a double A kid was better than Michael Jordan. He's like, oh, this guy's popping up batting practice fastballs and I'm drilling him to the seats. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm better than him. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, 100 people or no people in the stands, so Jeff Passan, last Tuesday, so, so the day after we recorded, wrote an article titled, There Will Be Baseball in 2020. It's just a matter of when, where, and how. I love how you, I love how it's so definitive. Whoa. There's going to be baseball. Okay. We just don't know how it's going to happen. We yeah. don't know where it's going to happen. We're not sure who's going to play. But yeah, it's there's going to be like, baseball. And I get it. These guys are trying to fill space. They're trying to get clicks because nothing is happening. But I'm getting a little tired of these passing articles and like this Nightingale thing, which we're going to talk about because there's nothing else to talk about. It's okay. Let me throw crap against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and Nightingale, he's over the century with the things that he's recording or reporting. But he's not making this up. He might someone he, he, someone he trusts told him this. He might be making this up. Uh, no, he might be in the hotel wall going like homeland with like Carrie with like writing stuff on the wall. Like he's got pictures of people. He's got like a family tree and he's doing the alignment. I could see him in his hotel room doing this. It's like some really strange scene when, well, possibly because these alignments, these divisions make no sense. Well, it, they're all by geogra- I mean, they're geographic. They, that that they, they, do, they do, but also sense. at the same time, it's like, <laughs> I'll give him that. For the- I'll give him that. He knows his no. geography. No, but for the Nightingale thing, it's like, okay, so the Pirates are in the East, yeah, right? Yeah. The Pirates, who are in Western Pennsylvania, can fly to Miami, but they can't fly to Cleveland. Well, I mean, you have to, at some point, cut it off, Andrew. At some point, there has to be a line drawn down the middle of a map. But then you're, But they say they're doing it to reduce travel. If you really want to reduce travel, just play at spring training sites. And then you're on a 30-minute bus, not a two-hour plane ride. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's, that's one thing. If, if uh, you know, this is Nightingale trying to show you that they can do it in another way. But, and it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't matter. This is also, um, you know, they're, they're tra- reduced travel. I don't know what to tell you. Bob Nightingale came up with this, and it's probably true, right? That's it. Who cares if it's shorter plane ride to go from Cleveland to Pittsburgh? But I just don't know why MLB would think because it's okay, another option. Why are they, another why are option they dead set? Saying. But why are they even entertaining the option of playing in major league stadiums in, in big cities if there's no fans? What is the benefit? I don't know. 
There is, I don't think there's a benefit. The- there's absolutely no benefit. There's only a downside because there's more travel. It's a bigger pain in the ass for a guy to drive from Westchester or wherever he lives to the Bronx at Yankee Stadium than it would be to drive five minutes down the road from Tampa to, to the stadium in Tampa. It's, I get it. Maybe they don't want to play in, in July and August in Florida and Arizona, but you know what? It's going to make everything else simpler. Play, play night games at 7 Cut p.m. Cut off sleeves, cotton uniforms. Cotton <laughs> uniforms. It's 7 p.m. It's going to be a little bit cooler than it is in the afternoon. And you're also like a major league baseball player, so suck it up and, and just go out there and play. Yeah, I mean, when you play summer ball as a, as a complete amateur, just going out there trying to get a fix of baseball on Sundays, playing double headers, granted they're seven-inning games, but weekend warriors do it every single weekend. So go ahead. No, I mean I and the the these divisions are interesting. I think you know the East would be the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. I wrote a blog the other day, like power ranking these teams if this was the division and how the Yankees would stack up. And I think the Yankees are still the best team in that division. The only team you can argue in baseball that the Yankees are not better than is the Dodgers. So they're not, wouldn't even play them in the regular season. You can't argue the Nationals? No. So here's, here's how I ranked it. I said Yankees are number one, Nats two, Rays three, then Phillies, Mets, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Pirates, Marlins, Orioles. The Orioles, Marlins, and Pirates are, are way down the list. Like they're, they're all bad teams in rebuilding uh, in, in a rebuilding. The Pirates phase. can't even rebuild correctly because they make horrible <laughs> trades. Right. Then I think there's a big step from the Pirates to the Blue Jays. But then the, then the Blue Jays, Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox without Chris Sale are, are a crapshoot. They can hit, but they have, they have no starting pitching. So I, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be very good. The Mets, Phillies are kind of in that like could be good, but something will go wrong kind of phase. And then I really see it, the Rays, Nats, and Yankees as a very close one, two, three. If you're talking about 80 to 100 games of a regular season, those are three close teams over that sort of condensed schedule. But I rank the Yankees number one because I think just overall top to bottom roster, they're better than those teams. The Nats have better one, two, three pitching, but that's really it. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it would be a tight race. I think you could, you know, I'm, I'm, there are a lot of people that picked the Mets this year for uh, you know taking a leap, all because of their starting pitching. So it depends on on their health. But Syndergaard but is Syndergaard's now out, out too. So you know who knows? The Mets uh, are not real. <laughs> They're just not real. Uh, the Red Sox are the same. Like you said, there's no starting pitching in there. Chris Sale's gone. Price is out. They just don't have the uh, they don't have the starting pitching to compete. I think the Phillies are an interesting team. Joe Girardi in division with uh, with all of our boys back. He'll make them better because he's a competent manager. I think they were. But... I think they underperformed last year, so I think they will be better. I think they are a, a team that can probably take another leap. So I would put the Phillies in that mix as well. Okay. Yeah. But. But. Uh, but. It's an interesting it's an interesting alignment at the very least and it would be kind of cool to not play any teams outside of your division and and then that sort of like 
that sort of gets back to old school baseball. Yeah, American where League, National League, a little bit. American League, National League, and then the playoffs are like, oh wow, I have not seen this team all year. This 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 has a little extra juice. I like that. I think they should go back to that too. Once we uh, the once American we come back versus to world, National. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more fun. You gotta you gotta realign to do that. Fine, realign. Who cares? <laughs> does anything? Does it matter anymore? Well, because yeah, or you gotta add teams. You gotta expand. All right, let's do both. Let's give Montreal a team again, maybe Nashville. Let's not give Nashville a team. Maybe Montreal. Not Nashville was one of the towns. It, I think Nashville would probably get a team before Montreal. Wasn't Orlando one of those towns as well? Okay, do not give Florida anything. Stop giving Florida. Things. So I think that Montreal should have a team. There's some interesting stuff there when I was talking with the, Montreal. Uh, Montreal lost a team. If you lose a team, you shouldn't get it. It's a very long time ago. They were not, not not happy, but that's like saying Seattle shouldn't get a basketball team again. Then, yeah, okay, I'm saying that. <laughs> a lot of people in Seattle would be very upset with you. I, th- I yeah, I, fine, whatever. Well, they actually, Ooh. everybody in Seattle hates you. I forgot. The um, yeah. no, I think there's a there's there's a possibility to realign. Realign. Go ahead. Add some teams. Take away some teams. We could just uh, we could play Survivor on uh, on some of these. It could be like soccer, and if you finish last in baseball, you get relegated to Triple A. Look, the Pirates and the Rays made the the Pirates made some terrible trades with the with the Rays. So just merge those two teams. Say all is forgiven. So you're saying like <laughs> take the bottom teams. Well, I mean, if you take just the East Division and you combine the Orioles, Marlins, and Pirates into one super roster, they're still the worst team in that division. That's fine. Yeah, they are. There's no doubt about it. I was I was ranking when I was ranking the teams. I was gonna rank the Marlins last because just like the National League is just, in my opinion, worse. But I was like, oh, they get the National League demerit, and then I realized that the Baltimore Orioles' best player, Jonathan VR, now plays for the Marlins. <laughs> That's G- that's the Jeter effect right there. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Okay, I would I'll rank the Marlins, Marlins above the edge. Orioles purely because Definitely. I just don't know enough about the Marlins, and I just assume they're better than the Orioles. Like, how could uh, you possibly be worse? The Orioles had the lowest of the um, pre-Corona over/under projections. Yeah. They had the lowest in that division, lowest by a lot too. I think they were like fifty-four, and the Marlins were like sixty-two. Yeah, but but like just eye test here. I, because I don't know who, because I don't know all of your I mean, pro- young watched. prospects, that gives you a leg up over the Orioles. No matter well, what, if, if they do play these, then the Yankees w- need to go undefeated against both the the Marlins and Orioles. They will go undefeated against the Orioles for sure. Uh, the uh, then the the article also alluded to an expanded playoff format because you'd have to you probably take two. Or maybe even three from each division. I have no clue uh, what it would be, but but again, I just don't understand. You know, so the Passan article alluded to the fact that players don't want to be quarantined in Florida and Arizona. Some players, he said, some players. There was pushback from that. <clears throat> Look, I think this, so this whole that, thing is, is that why be, baseball. This whole thing is going to be so difficult to get get through the uh, players union. Go through baseball and then also through the players' union, and to make sure well, that do they want to get paid or not? That's the that's the bottom line. It's like if you <laughs> want to get paid, you have to go out there and play. You have to make sacrifices at some point and go out and play. But they're okay. I, I get it. You don't want to be quarantined in Florida, and you don't want to play in July Florida heat. But do you want to check the Florida heat thing? Is not not going to be a decisive factor. It shouldn't be at least. It's the whole 
I just have a feeling it's going to be very difficult to get that consensus on the player side for the health reasons. And I understand that there's... Well, well then, there, then there's not going to be a season. Right? And the, the, unless they suck it up and, and say, we'll, we'll quarantine, we'll do what is needed to be done. Or if things change enough in the next two months where quarantining is not necessary where you just have to practice safe distances and wear gloves and masks anytime you leave the house, but you can live in the same house as your family and, and drive yourself to and from the ballpark. But I wonder if that's why baseball is exploring major league stadiums, because if players don't want to be quarantined for three or four months from their families, then they could play in their major league cities where they already have houses so logistics with their family. Logistics is, is definitely easier for the players if you're going, if you're at your major league. Only when you're home, though. Only when you're home. Only when you're home, because then you have to go to the airport. You have to get on a flight. I would, that, that I would is assume they... yourself up to risk right there. I assume they're, they're going to have some kind of a, uh, a private flying plan for, for all of these guys at some point. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, look... The fact that we're talking about all these logistics, the more you talk about it, every single time we talk about it, to me, it gets killed. It just does in my mind every single time. There are just so many freaking moving parts with this thing. And at the end of the day, the number one reason why I think that this is going to be a very, very long shot, and I know I've flip-flop on this back and forth, but at the end of the day, you get one person who gets sick, it's all over. Uh, yeah. So unless they have treatments... That are working. Well, that's what Fauci said, that the, nothing can happen until there's tests widely available. Tests and treatments, like actual treatments for this thing so that they know that they're, they're attacking it in a, in, a, in a way that is effective or a, um, a vaccine, which doesn't sound like it's coming before January, February, from what I've heard. I, I don't see how you can possibly, because you have to look at the fallback. You have to look at the, 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 um, the worst case scenario, right? As an organization, if you're not looking and at the I worst think, case scenario, you're being very short-sighted. And unless you well, can you have to react, prepare for the worst, you well, have to have a plan. If you for can worst react case to the worst case scenario in a way that that is uh, appropriate and will not be deemed as a complete nightmare in the eyes of the public, then okay, try to move forward. But that what so that Passin, entails is a treatment or a vaccine. Passon says, there will be baseball. It's just a matter of how, if, when, where, blah, blah, blah. So does so he, he's obviously uh, getting like information where baseball's like, no, we're dead, we're dead set on having uh, baseball games played in 2020. We just got to work out something with the players that, that they agree on. Is it possible that the Players Association basically will give the choice to the players saying – we're gonna. This is what the plan is. You can then do your own thing. If if you want to quarantine yourself in Florida and play, you can. But if you don't want to, if you have enough money in the bank and, and it's just not worth it to you for one reason or the other, then you don't have to. So we might see 75, 85% of players playing, but then there's like the small minority who have made $80 million in their life. They've got a baby on the way. They, they've got other stuff going on. Maybe they've got kids in school or whatever it is. No, I'll see you next year. Possibly. I mean, that, that maybe if there's a, if there's a choice um, and, they, and they get a foundation of something and then leave it up to the individual player to uh, make that decision, then, 
then possibly maybe who knows but 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 that seems like a logical way to go if you're going to go uh that route of playing because it seems like it's going to be too difficult to get 100 percent of the it's going to be impossible board with one plan or the it's going to be impossible because it, they Everybody that's has their human, own. That's just human nature. Everybody has their own. At this point, now when you're talking about health and you're talking about like the the um, livelihood of your family being in a position to to literally be healthy, now you're you're messing with different types of things. You're not talking about baseball anymore. You're talking about people's lives. So yes, they're going to have strong opinions one way or another, or not. But that's going to be their prerogative. And the players' union is so strong. And no, They're, no team is gonna so much power. No team is gonna be like, okay, you must go and you must play. What do you think the fan reaction will be if you have Garrett Cole, who has a child being born in June? Yeah, if he's like, you'll he's get, like, you'll get. This isn't even a real season. We're talking about a tournament right. sort of thing. Yeah, I want to be there for my my baby, and I want to be there for my wife, and. I know I haven't made a dollar from the Yankees yet, but the guy's already made millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and, and, and he may say, like, this solution is a solution, but it's not right for my family. And Yeah, how do you, how do you hold that against As a fan, somebody? you will have... Fans will. You will have irrational they, people that go, you call him a baby and, and call, you know... Him soft. Call him soft and all sorts of, you know, irrational things. But at the end of the day, like, this is just about decisions for people's families and however they decide to uh to to go is, is best appropriate for again their internal their internal decisions their family that's what it's going to come so down many... to and, and and baseball has never really been about that it's always been about how the team is how a player acts for the organization loyalty all these things that's the emotion that we're used to judging we're used to judging that if a guy has a little bit of an injury and it's nothing like serious, is he going out there? Is he doing the things? Is he battling through? Like those are the emotions that we're normally used to when as a fan and, and now we're bringing in a very different element. Um, and some younger fans may not be, they may not be able to see the, the whole family side of things because they're not there yet. So they don't, they don't see that, which I understand too. There's just different places uh, for, for people to make judgments and, there's no right or wrong answer for any of these guys. Yeah, and for some of them, they're younger. They don't have a family yet. They're single guys. Like, no problem. I'll go quarantine. We're like, sure. you want to you plan a deserted island somewhere in the Pacific? I'll be there. Right. Or there's guys who are like, this was my last shot regardless. Like, I got my body ready for one more go at it. I'm playing. It, it, whether it's one game, 100 games, or no, like, whatever. I'm going to be there. Yeah. And then you're going to have guys who maybe say no. And I, another reason I just only see the spring training facilities as being a logical option is because we know the rosters are going to have to be expanded. And Passon said that the, the minor league baseball season is not officially canceled, but it's not going to be a regular minor league baseball season. So you're going to ha need to have reserve players. What the spring training complexes give you is extra fields where guys can play simulated games. So they're almost mirroring a season. Maybe they play every morning or they play whatever it is where they're in baseball shape, ready to go. Those extra 20 guys are ready to go if you need injury reserves for teams. I, I th they could even play inter-squad games, right? Because they're spring training. They could play like their own simulated minor league season against other teams' minor league guys. The 40-man rosters could be ready to go. But when, if you play in a major league stadium, that becomes harder. Absolutely. I think that's, that's one of the, the driving points. I think that because you have those extra facilities, that's, that's where I always thought this would go. If there was a solution, 
they would go to an area where they could fit as many people playing baseball at one time, right? In, in, a, in a concentrated area, whether that's Arizona or Florida, or I, I, I joked about this, but you know what? Go plow some freaking cornfields in Iowa and build some goddamn fields and, and make a, make a tournament area. Like why not? Like some of these, I'm sure there are high school tournament areas. I think the ones that I was talking about in Cooperstown, I, th- I don't think that's a full um, dimensions. I could be wrong. I, I looked it up, but I couldn't find the dimensions of the field. But you have a, a place like that that has, you know, 20 to 30 fields around each other. You only need, fi- you really only need 15. There are, because... there are tournament areas. Like, doesn't, doesn't Cal Ripken have like a, a whole tournament area too? That, so the, um, my point is, is that if you could get that many people in a concentrated area, as long as you can accommodate them with like logistics, housing, and hotels things like that. are the th- that's the thing though. Like you plow some cornfields in Iowa, there's no hotel. Bring in some goddamn miles. trailers, figure it out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, figure these it out. Rich, these rich athletes are going to want to live oh. in a trailer for four months. When you th- in when, Iowa. when you think of a trailer, you're thinking of like you know in the middle of Alabama. I'm think I'm thinking of a trailer. You're thinking like a fancy RV. It's going to be like something that's you know probably pimped out a little bit and, and, and nice enough. Oh, is exhibit going to pimp? The yeah. Rock? Exhibit's going to come with his <laughs> exhibits going to make a return. He's going to pimp everyone's trailer to pimp that trailer. There you go. There's extra content. Bam. So the one thing that, uh, ta- uh, gets to our next, uh, discussion, but you have no, you don't have that- heat problems either. Like you could do that. I, I really do wonder like what the cost of creating more new fields in a place where that's, that's more temperature controlled would be compared to going to one of these places and having everything controlled, okay, but, Bring, okay, but, bringing in, bringing in food, catering the whole thing, start like, who's going to build the fields. You have to have workers to build these. Fields. I mean, we could get workers to build the fields, quarantine them first, and then go out. Oh, go ahead. like there's always like, it's like, you think, Oh, that's going to be simple. And then you're like, Oh wait, no, there's these steps. I'm not even thinking of. We could build, we could build a field. I mean, Kevin Costner did it by himself. Don't by himself. Don't build any new fields there's thousands of baseball fields around this country and you have major league complexes in arizona and florida perfect for this perfect so i don't get it the heat is the problem for that too oh the heat that's what i'm saying like go to there's got to be tournament facilities somewhere in the middle of you know somewhere that's not that hot Here's what the only thing I'm worried about with the heat is that you're going to have like Joe West out there sweating bullets. He's going to pass out if it's 98 degrees and it's the middle of a Florida heat wave. Well, he's getting paid well enough, isn't he? That's going to be our next topic. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, guess what? You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. You missing the NFL and other sports? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So the MLB and umpires reached an agreement where they're gonna umpires are going to have reduced pay for 2020. So I read an article in The Athletic where they sort of broke down how the uh, umpires are compensated. <laughs> and it was pretty eye-opening. They're compensated very well. But unlike players who are paid only throughout the season, 
umpires are paid on a 12 month basis. So 12 month schedule, schedule, payment schedule. schedule. Yeah. Yeah. For the work they do in the summer at the baseball games, they get a paycheck every two weeks, just like most people who work a regular job. Um, so from January through April, they have been paid, uh, normally on their normal schedule, hundred percent of what they should have been paid for the, that time period. They agreed to a 50% pay reduction in May and then a prorated basis, depending on whatever happens with the season going forward. Um, but the umpires were sort of making, uh, pushing back a little bit because they fear job losses in the future anyway, with robo umps down the line. And one thing that I saw is that if these games are played at spring training facilities or minor league facilities or anywhere that's not a major league stadium, we're not going to have instant replay. So, no, no, no. But maybe that's another reason why they want to play it at major league stadiums. But, like, I'm okay with that. Like, that's just going to be less time. But what we're going to see is TV replays will be there. So we're going to know, like, that guy botched a call, but you can't do anything about it. So that's going to be magnified even more than it, like, Hold on. Why, why can't they have Why can't they have instant replay if they do it in these uh, in these other places? I don't know. I'm sure the, the technology is not in place to do it. Why? It's cameras. Like, bring in cameras. You're going to be playing in a smaller amount of places. You're asking bring me. In, I, just re- I just read that. They, they, uh, they have areas where you can have cameras. They have... Like you said, TV's going to have cameras. They could, they could, whoever, they could, whoever the Astros hired to outfit their entire organization of all their hire him as a consultant with and cameras. Bring him in. Yeah. yeah, like bring in some, bring in some drones for some, uh, some, some uh, eagle eye advantage, vantage points, and there you go. It's still going to a, an office in uh, in New York. Those guys are fine. We could quarantine the shit out of them. You know, they, they can, don't even have to be in an office. They can be at a. They at can home, be at home. On a laptop. As long as they have good Wi-Fi. You know, we're good. So my point is, why does that have to change? It doesn't. It should be so, faster, actually. And in fact, we don't even need the umpires for this. I was shocked when I read the umpires compensation package. So their salaries range from one hundred and ten to four hundred and thirty two thousand dollars base salary, depending on tenure. They also receive a twelve thousand licensing payment annually. Every umpire. Plus, every umpire gets a thirty-eight point five thousand postseason bonus, regardless if they work a game or not. If you work a game, you get thirteen point two k for a wild card game, twenty-two k for a division series, twenty-seven and a half thousand for an LCS, and thirty-one point three five thousand for a World Series. You also get a five hundred dollar per diem to cl- to cover food clubhouse dues, whatever the hell you want to use $500 for. Plus you get money if you work spring training games. These guys are getting paid all right. Oh, they're getting paid. And they're still mediocre at their job. <laughs> the $12,000 licensing payment's funny to me. Like we going out, someone going out buying a, a, a Joe West uh, umpire jersey, a little, little country Joe. Is he, is he licensing that? Country Joe, does he have that? You know, does he some have that of trademark? these umpires have inflated egos. They're like, no, like people are coming to the park to watch me. No, I, I think it's probably for like video games and stuff like that, where they have like represent the likeness of, uh, you know, guys that we could recognize, and they're all their names are in there too. I'm pretty sure. So the um, yeah, they get paid a good amount of money, man. You'd, you'd think five hundred dollar per DM. It's like no reason they're out of shape. <laughs> Joe West is just going to town on these uh on these like expensive buffets yeah he's hitting up the brazilian well, no, so steakhouse in every town he's in 
if you're the lowest rung on the totem pole as far as umpires go and you don't do anything extra, you still get $160,000 a year. Not, not too shabby. Not to mention you have no expenses, essentially. Uh, all, right, while you're you while you're per, working, you got that you got that per diem, yeah. and you can do you get paid year round. But there's no no nothing saying you can't work an extra job in the off season. You can bartend, you can sell insurance, you can do whatever you want to get some extra cash. Yeah, there's a good amount of off time, so these guys can do, and I'm sure half the year. You see some of them uh, as like you know lawyers, or they'll do some kind of a service job where they can go. I doubt they're yeah. bartending, but they're they're out there doing. You know, other types of consulting jobs or, you know, investing or whatever the hell it is. But, yeah, there's lots of stuff that they could be doing. And the pension, the pension program, uh, you know, so they have a good pension. They, they have an too. opportunity for when they retire. Now they're sitting pretty on a, uh, a league contributed pension plan. So, yeah, they're, they're set up pretty, uh, pretty nicely. So I can understand why they are definitely trying to push back as much as humanly possible right now. Because they got no leverage. They can read the writing on the wall as far as what's coming for umpires. The leverage, and there's going to be point. fewer jobs and lower. I think salary is going to start to go down because the importance of umpires is going to go down with the implementation of technology. For sure. And, and that's why it amazes me that they're not making more of an effort to get better at their job. I mean, like, I'd say that's relatively unfair that, to say that they're not trying to get better at their job. I think that when you are in a moment as a human being that you, there's just the element of, 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 uh, of, of being a person and making decisions in real time is just such a difficult task to do consistently that it's really never going to get better. There's, there's going to be, you, you should know the rules. You should know every single, every single angle of every single rule, but being able to get better at calling a strike on the corner I don't know how you do that besides just like, are you practicing that? Are you practicing that? Like, are you drilling that like in the off season or do you have a just consistently drilling that? I don't know how you get better at that. You're still going to make in a moment in the, in the, in any moment of real time, a decision that you think is the best. It's not like you don't think it's the best. You still think it's the best. Right. Of course there's human error, but I, I have a problem with the, the interpretation that some of these umpires have. Of a strike or a ball, it's different. That's fine, but that's going into it. That's not improving. That's your the way that you, that's the way that you prepare. Like that's that's part of their preparation in the sense that that's that's what they but believe in. That can also be addressed from an over, a top down yes, standpoint, sure. where you say like, listen, we get you think this is a strike or it's not a strike, but here's the here's the strike zone. So watch a million pitches if you have to until you recognize what's a strike and not a strike. And if you continue to call this a strike when it's really a ball or vice versa, you lose your job. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, but they don't do that. Or you get dinged as far as but like they don't, penalties. Then, like, then why don't they do that? Why isn't that strike zone actually implemented? See, this is something where it's like the head of the umpires uh, association should be like, holy shit. Can we make a real change? Ro- Let's make a real change. There's going to be robo umpires before we realize it. Why don't we just get so good that it's not worth it for baseball to bring in robo umpires because we're we're better than the robo umpires or we're almost as good and we're already in place. Yeah, they need to have they need to have the um uh, what's it called uh, when when the girl is the movie where they're put on an island and they all 
whoever wins is the only person alive. Everybody else, you have to kill the people to, to survive. What's the movie? I can't think of the name of it. I have no clue what you're talking about. The movie with a girl is on Katniss. She is a part. She, I can't, I'm drawing such a blank right now. <laughs> She's it's surviving the game essentially with Ice T. The old, the most dangerous game. No, the the one. It's a game. It's literally in the future. It, it's there's like three of them. Mockingbird is one of them. Are you serious? You don't know what I'm talking about either. Jesus Christ. I have no clue what you're talking about. The movie with Ice Jennifer tea? Lawrence. The movie with Jennifer Lawrence, where she is yeah. in oh, a contest uh, just yeah. to, Hunger to Games. live. Jesus Hunger Christ! Games. Thank you. The Hunger Games. I, I've never, I've never seen it. Wow. Okay. The Hunger Games for for umpires. The umpire, <laughs> the umpires have to go through a rigid mocking. Do you call it Mockingbird? Mocking Jay, I think, is one of the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> And and the whole premise, by the way, yeah, Ice T was in a, a movie called Surviving the Game way back when, and it was essentially just a bunch of rich guys like going out on a hunting trip, and instead of hunting deer, they hunted a person. Oh yeah, and it was Ice T. Do you remember that that short story? I think it's called The Most Dangerous Game. Oh, I don't know, but Ice T was in it called Surviving the Game. Anyway, um, yeah, they should do this. They should hold some kind of a standard so that you have to be up to X amount. Like, how about we do that? How about you have to pass physicals that actually aren't just ones that Joe West can pass like a, an actual physical, like a, like the presidential fitness test for umpires. I want to see Joe, yeah. Joe, uh, Joe West in a combine doing the sit and reach. And if you can't do it, you're gone. Right. Because you see other sports like hockey, basketball, and football, the refs have to run with the plays. So they're in shape. Yes. If, if you're a hockey ref, you're skating the entire time. You're in great physical shape. If you're a hockey ref. Yeah. Baseball, you just stand back there. I mean, if there's a ball, if there's a play in short right field and the umpire at first base is going out, drifting out and like trying to get a good vantage point, umpire is 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 where? He's moving around, he's doing things, like you still gotta be able to to move and to actually get in position to be to make an effective call. Because if you're out of position, you're not gonna be able to make an effective call. Have you ever umpired a game? Yes. Uh, a long time ago. Level. Like uh, minors. Yeah, because I remember in high school. I was I never did. an umpire, but you had to, when you coached, you had to umpire a game, you know, every week. Maybe I wasn't in high school. I was, I don't honestly remember how old I was, but it was like the minor league of the little league that like they needed like fill-ins for. Yeah, it's minors. There's majors yeah. and minors. In, and in and they would ask like the older kids to do it. Right. Like the, the majors of the little league would have like an adult doing it, but the minors would just have like a 14 year old kid doing it. And I remember I did it. Well, I just did one game and I was, it was difficult when you've never done it before. Yeah. These are, but, these are trained uh, professionals who've done it for years yeah. and th the major leagues are not the first time they've ever umpired a game either. They've, they've sometimes it looks like they've, that. they've risen through the ranks and they go to like umpire camps and shit. And they, they do all these things to prepare themselves for like normal people do for a profession, they prepare themselves to, to actually be good at a profession. And then the best ones are the ones you're supposed to get in the major leagues. Cause, cause guess what? There are umpires across the nation, across the globe in amateur baseball, college baseball, you know, high school baseball. There's a lot of umpires well, in this world. And these guys are the best of the best, supposedly. So one thing that the article mentioned is that the going through the ranks, you get paid dirt. Oh, for sure.
So like you're umpiring all these games, you have to do so many games before you can even qualify to be a major league umpire. Like minor league games, minor league umpires get paid nothing. Yeah, I know. So they're Look at minor they're league probably baseball players. Accru- Compare that to to what the they're probably accruing a lot of debt before they get to the majors. So I get it. Like, yeah, their salaries are nice and and they have good benefits and stuff. But like, maybe it's you know like they have to pay off hundreds of thousands in debt to get. There. I guess, but that's not really. It's I think it's more of a. Um, it's not the point. No, it's not the point, and it doesn't help with <laughs> the other guys that are still in AAA. The uh, right, right. I think it's more uh, of the scale of what other people are getting paid and the amount of money that goes into baseball is why they're getting paid so much. Hmm. Um, the other thing that we got was that the 2020 Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be pushed to 2021. Some Yankees fans are worried that this means Kurt Schilling is going to get in on the same year that Derek Jeter gets in. W- would that bother you at, at at all? I mean, maybe a little bit for a minute. Kurt Schilling's an asshole. Next, well, the next year's ballot is pretty bad. Uh, I don't really see anyone other than Schilling getting in. I mean, you obviously still have Clemens and Barry Bonds and stuff like that on there, but I don't see them getting voted in, even though I would vote them in. They had 61 and 60% um, the most recently. But the first year ballot guys, I don't see any of these guys as Hall of Famers. Stop me if you hear a name, because you're like, you and I agree on this. Like when you instantly hear the name, you know, Hall of Famer or not Hall of Famer. Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, Dan Heron, Barry Zito, Erasmus Ramirez, Shane Victorino, Grady Sizemore, Alex Rios, A.J. Burnett, Nick Swisher. I'd say the closest one on that list is probably uh, Torrey Hunter. I would say Tim Hudson is probably the closest on the list. He pitched for a long time, so uh, I don't know. I think Torrey Hunter is probably. Either way, there no. The answer is no. Uh, Torrey Hunter... Don't he was a fantastic defensive center fielder, barely above league average offensive player. Yeah, he played for a long time too, didn't he? He played uh 19 years, and over the course of his career, he has a 110 OPS plus. He's a great, he was a valuable player because he was a really, really good defender, and he had some prime, prime years with the Minnesota Twins where he put up pretty good offensive seasons. But he's not a Hall of Famer. I, I said he wasn't. I said he, the only guy that would be remotely fringe would be him, and it's not. But the, uh, I said the closest even. I didn't even say fringe. But um, did he accumulate numbers? Was he a, an accumulator? Or did he mostly just get defensive, uh, defensive stats in the books for those later years? Uh, 353 home runs over 19 years. I mean, that's not that impressive, honestly. 2,300... Uh, where's this hit total? Uh, 2,452 hits. Like these are a, a lot of numbers, but when you put them in the context of 19 years, a 793 OPS over 19 years, a below 800 OPS in a mostly offensive era of baseball. Yeah. No, he's not. He's, uh, I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a good player. No. Uh, Tim Hudson has uh, 222 wins, a 3.49 ERA over uh, 3,100 innings. So I, I don't think any of those guys are Hall how of Famers. How many years did Hudson uh, play at the end? In the he end, played, uh, uh, he played uh, 17 seasons. Wow. 
and he'd had obviously great years in Oakland, but then he had like really good years in Atlanta, like so steady in Atlanta year after yeah, year. Yeah, it seemed like he really found a way to age well and and um, and be effective towards the end of his of, career. Of the big three Oakland guys, him, Barry Zito, and Mulder. and Mulder, I think probably Barry Zito had the best peak. Like at at their at their peak, Zito was the most effective pitcher. But Tim Hudson had the best career. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Well, I think the, uh, Zito and Mulder's definitely got cut short, right? He, yeah, he got injured in St. Louis. He didn't get past St. Louis, yeah. And then Zito... Zito went to San Francisco and stunk. He was just bad for a while. It, but yeah, but like Hudson just stayed steady, like quality pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really care if Schilling gets in. I think Schilling is a Hall of Famer. Let me ask you a question. D-bag. What if Derek Jeter... And at some point after, you know, during this year in 2020, at some point came out and made a public, uh, a public statement regarding Bonds and Clemens and said that they should be allowed into the Hall of Fame and that it would be an honor for them to go in in the same class as, 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 as him uh, in 21. Do you think that would matter? Do you think that would make any difference at all? Do you think that would nudge anything? No. Because I think these these writers who vote have their opinions made up on Bonds and Clemens, and they're going to vilify them as the steroid era poster poster children. Even though you can argue there's players who have already been voted in who have steroid implications, but Bonds is the face of of steroids from an offensive standpoint, and Clemens from a pitching standpoint, and that's never going to change. But I mean, there was never going to be a, a unanimous vote either. That happened. I feel like there's a tide turning a little bit where we're going to see in the you know the next five years, I'd say we're going to see one of these guys. And if you let one of them in, it's going to be a tidal wave because now you have to start letting a lot of them in. So I do think it's going to happen. Well, I think the... So guys like A-Rod have a better chance of getting in than someone like Clemens or Bonds because A-Rod's not going to be up on the Hall of Fame ballot for another couple years and he'll have a 10 year run. If he doesn't get in immediately, he'll get enough votes to stay on the ballot. And then by 2028, there's going to be a, a, enough new voters who think about baseball differently and who value different things that will say, I don't care. A-Rod did steroids. He was still better than all of his peers. Okay, So then what, do that's you do? How, then what do you do? So you let A-Rod in, in 10 years, but the, the problem is bonds and Clemens might be already off the ballot if they're not already voted in. And then you have like a veterans committee type situation or just a, or just a, uh, they, they look back and they make an adjustment. Then it's inconsistent. Well, it's, it's inconsistent because if, if in 40 years from now, we look at like the list of hall of famers and it's like Alex Rodriguez. And you're like, wait a minute, Alex Rodriguez is in, but Barry Bonds isn't in. They, they Barry Bonds was better than Alex Rodriguez and they both did steroids. What's going on here? Yeah, that's why there there would have to be some kind of an exception almost to to get these guys back on for one, uh, the ballot for one year or some. That's why I think that towards the end of their uh, the the end of the stay on, on the ballot, they're going to get in because of that. It's going to be messy and I think, otherwise, I think and they, they realize should be it because the way I look at I, I, it's almost I've, like a prison sentence, and then towards the end, know, like a rehabilitation, like okay, you can go now. You know, I am definitely like have gotten more into the advanced metrics over the years. Um, and it's impossible to compare like Babe Ruth to Barry Bonds or to Alex Rodriguez or 
to anyone because the game was so different. Life was so different in 1920 than it is in 2020. Um, so I like to look at peer to peer, like what did this guy do in his era? And when you look at things like OPS plus, which compares you adjust to your ballpark, adjust to the era and compares you to your peers where a, a 100 in those stats is exactly league average, the higher, the better. And it's like, Oh my God. Um, Babe Ruth had a 200 OPS plus. He was twice as good as everyone else in Major League Baseball at that time. Amazing. Well, guess what? Barry Bonds did the same thing in the height of the steroid era. Yeah, he did steroids. But a lot of people were doing steroids. And Barry Bonds was twice as good as everyone else when they were doing steroids. A lot of pitchers, Do you know lot of one pitchers year, were doing steroids too. Do you know one year Barry Bonds in 2004 had twice as many intentional walks as singles? I remember, I remember that year. It was... Uh, Utterly ridiculous how many times that guy would walk. And he had a 600 on base percentage. Barry Bonds would get walked with the bases loaded. I saw a like stat. The, he, on never, there's there's yeah. no more ultimate respect for a, a, a player who has a bat in their hands than to walk them with the bases loaded. That's crazy. There was a stat, there was a stat that was going around Twitter the other day that from 2000, like 2000 to 2004, in games that Barry Bonds did not get any hits... So he had a zero batting average, but like a 390 on base percentage. In games he got, he had no hits. That's crazy. Because how many times he was walked. Yeah, no, he was f- like definitely the most feared batter I've ever seen ever in my life. Uh-huh. There's no, it's, not, it's actually not close. The game plan was essentially, can he tie the game right now? Walk him. Right. If he can't tie the game, pitch to him. Yeah. That was basically the game plan. So, and he would get sometimes in a game, one pitch to hit and he would hit a home run. He was a machine. He was an absolute machine. <laughs> Freakishly good. Yes. Like, yeah, you took steroids, steroids, but you still have to do it also. You still, but he took steroids, but then he, he was like, okay, I'm going to take steroids and show you how, what a freak can actually do. And he was twice as good, if not more than the rest of the league on steroids. So to me, that's hall of fame. When you uh, getting r- real quick, r- I'm sorry. the The other thing you you look at like how Barry Bonds was such a good ball player. I've I've referred to this video in the past, but there's an old school, and I have it somewhere. I'll I'll try to find it again. I think I've probably said this 30 times too. <laughs> but there's a um there's an old school. It's like a flash animation of Tony Gwynn breaking down Barry Bonds' swing, and it, I think the USA Today published it. A very long time ago. And again, it's in like flash animation. So it's like slide by slide. And it's really hard to find on the internet right now. Uh, it's amazing. And Tony Gwynn, who's like the epitome of, of, uh, of, of baseball swings, like the guy was textbook and was, you know, one of the best hitters of all time, breaks it down in, in a way that's just so fascinating. And he's in awe of what Barry Bonds does and how he gets to the ball and the way that mm-hmm. he does things. And it's just the, not only yes the guy did steroids but he what he did was un unmanlike it was it was like a god figure but to to get the mechanics to the point where he did like to perfect the craft to the way that he did in order to get uh, put in a position that those steroids are able to do the work like he's it's hard to, to justify the steroid thing yes was, but but you have to look be, if you look beyond that and you look at the baseball mechanics and like all the things that he did it's un freaking believable and the other thing is is when i had uh this was like two years ago or a year and a half ago mm, yeah, I was when i had judges uh hitting coach on he's uh at hitter man on uh on twitter i believe 
the the way that he got to the swing, the the way that he got to the the judge swing where it's a coil in the hips and he essentially just like snaps his hips um, to a point where he's building up this tension. He learned it from where watching Barry Bonds' swing. Like he broke yeah. down Barry Bonds' swing, went to his basement and tried to recreate it with himself being uh, videotaping himself like thousands and thousands and thousands of swings to try to recreate that type of motion so that he could teach other people. It's fascinating. So we always think of like Ken Griffey Jr. as having the most beautiful, sweetest swing. It was very fluid. It was very picturesque sort of thing. Bonds's was the most efficient. Mm -hmm. There was no wasted energy in, in the swing. Like you sort of talked about the coil. He was quick to the ball. It was a short swing. He stood so close to the plate so he could barrel up anything. He flattened his barrel much further back. So the the plane, and we've heard this with Judge, the plane uh, of the barrel and the back coming across the zone has more time, more surface area from uh, a depth perspective. So it's either front of the plate, behind the plate. The bat is flat through the zone longer. So now there's more of a, a an opportunity to hit the ball and to, to make barreled contact with that ball. And that's why Judge hit so many goddamn home runs to right field, because if he's late on the ball, what he's doing is he's still he's still able to bring that barrel through the zone, and he's still barreling it up, and, and it's going to right field. Enough, and he's strong yeah, enough to pop up, score to right no field, and go out. Like that's why we saw so many of those misses, quote that he uh, that he hit out. Yeah, and uh, Bonds he got ostracized out of the league after 2007, the same time Clemens did. That was when like the Mitchell report started to happen and all that stuff. But he could have gone to the American League in DH for probably five years, and he and he'd be he'd have something close to like nine hundred home runs, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, probably. He was still a great hitter when he retired. Yes, yeah, I know. And he had to play left field. If he doesn't have to play left field, and he can DH one hundred and forty-five times a year, who knows? Right. So, uh, the last thing I want to talk about was Jeter, because uh, we, as we said, getting into the Hall of Fame next year, and. Um, I saw going around Twitter the uh, the 2006 AL MVP revote. This was the year that Jeter finished second to Justin Morneau. And everyone says that that's the year that Jeter definitely should have won the MVP. I agree. He should have finished ahead of Morneau. No question about it. But he was not the best player in the American League in 2006. He has an argument in 1999. He should have been the MVP. He finished sixth that year but he was the best position player in the American league. And I broke it down. So I, let me explain the 99 MVP race finished. Pudge Rodriguez won. Pedro was second. Roberto Alomar third. Manny Ramirez fourth. Rafael Palmero fifth. Derek Jeter sixth. Okay. If you look at war and take out Pedro because Pedro was a freak. He had like a, his ERA was two runs lower than everyone else at the time. He was the most valuable player in the league. So if you want to give it to Pedro, fine. So just looking at position players, using baseball reference, this is how the uh, the war ranked. Derek Jeter won, then Alomar, then Manny, then Nomar, then Pudge. Keep in mind, Nomar didn't even finish top six. And if you use fan graphs, it ranked Manny, then Jeter, then Roberto Alomar, then Pudge, then Nomar. So I said, this is the best case for Jeter to win the MVP. He played on the best team in baseball. He played shortstop in important position. He ranked one or two in war. But then I got to this argument, like the the classic argument of what's an MVP. Does it have to be on a good team? Does it have to be someone who just puts up power numbers? Like, can it be a pitcher? 
Valuable or and best player. That's the Valuable argument. or best player. And I think it's a hybrid of both. Jeter, you can argue, was the best player. But you also, there's evidence to say he was the most valuable. Because using uh, WPA, which is win percentage added. Here we go. This is literally at the heart of what a valuable is. Yeah. It breaks down. I like this. And everything you do in a baseball game, did it contrib- contribute to your team winning or did it contribute to your team losing? And you get a plus or a minus for everything you do. Derek Jeter was number one in, in, in the league by a wide margin for WPA that year. 6.86 WPA. The next was Manny Ramirez, 5.54. Derek Jeter should have been the MVP in 1999. All right. So he should be a two-time MVP guy. That's, that's what he should be then. So another thing I was like, okay, does WPA match up to MVP? Like, is that something that correlates? And it does. So 2019 MVP, Mike Trout, he finished first in WPA. Mookie Betts, when he won, he finished second. 2017 Altuve, he finished third. Judge, unfortunately, finished 18th that year. 2016, Mike Trout, he finished first. 2015, Josh Donaldson, he finished first. So you can have a correlation between MVP and WPA. How long has WPA been around? It goes back all the way to like the early 1900s because it's just about the play that happened. There's not, it's not really saber metrics. No, but did they, it's just assigning a value. More, more, what I, more what I meant is, is it, has it been used by, no. by anybody? No, it's, it's, only, it's newer, but like on baseball reference, you can go and look at what was Babe Ruth's WPA in 1927. Yeah. It's, no, it's giving you a, uh, an algorithm for value, essentially, mm-hmm. rather than looking at uh, total stats. Right. Yeah. And in 1999, I get it. Derek Jeter hit 24 home runs, and you had guys hitting 50 home runs with 150 RBIs. Like, it would have got criticism if Derek Jeter won the MVP in 1999. But knowing what we know now, and I'm not talking about steroids, I'm talking about what we value in baseball players now. Derek Jeter was a better baseball player than Roberto Alomar or than Rafael Palmero, who was hitting 50 home runs. Yeah, no, it's an interesting argument when you when you start breaking down and you look at all the different factors in that too. Um, so yeah, so at the end of the day, Derek Jeter should be a two time MVP. And you like the the because the Morneau because the Morneau one was ridiculous. The Morneau was horseshit, but Derek Jeter shouldn't have won the MVP in two thousand six. He didn't finish first. He didn't finish near the top in WAR or WP. But it was uh, that's not convenient to this argument. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so two time MVP guy. It's just I hate, like the Derek Jeter overrated stuff. Like kind of went around when it was all about people bashed. talking about this defense because they're stupid and they don't understand the entire context of a baseball player. And Oh, by the way, yes, his range wasn't the greatest, but he made a lot of, he probably, when the play was there, he made it and he made some fantastic plays. No, he was a, he was a, he wasn't so a bad iron- shortstop. Here's the ironic thing about, um, the whole defense thing, because like gold gloves is the gold glove is the biggest horse shit award. There is, because Derek Jeter won the gold glove in like 2004, 2005, 2006. He wasn't a great defender by that point. He was actually a good defender in the late 90s. Like he wasn't the best, but he was above average. So in his prime, he was an above average shortstop. <clears throat> yeah. So if the everybody relies on the worst of it though. And they always, right. they, like, and they and always was, talk about his range being, well, he was bad in the late years, but like fine. he was, he shouldn't have been playing shortstop anymore. Right. 
there's that that's an argument you could be that's something you could talk about where he played shortstop for too long and maybe it would have been a better move for him to potentially go to third base or, or left field left field or first or wherever it might be like some kind of a um a, a change but he wasn't going to do that he was still in no. great condition like the range was and, but you know what does he deserve criticism for that you can argue that hurt the team his pride could have hurt the team maybe i mean there if you want to get if you want to get nitpicky and, and and talk about how he could have moved positions but who who knows what he would have done in another position as well like now let's now say he was league guy, average but let's say he was league average but that's hard to, that's not that's not an easy thing to just say you've played one position your entire career so does that one step off at shortstop make you did it. does that make you worse or better um, as a you know with war for staying there or trying a new position and going somewhere else. If you are average at the new position, it would have been better for something like war. Marginally. And I think better. Uh, well, because he was a negative war defender in his late years. So he was losing points there. But I think what it would have done from a public perception is it would have made the uh, people would have said like, oh, Jeter moved positions. He he didn't um, have confidence. He's washed. He, <laughs> No, no, no. They would. I think now the argument would be like, oh, he recognized what he was and what he wasn't when he was 38 years old, and he he sacrificed his ego for the betterment of the team, and maybe it would help for the whole overrated argument. And the overrated argument is is the overrated stupid. argument is not one to be coddled to. That's the point. Like the the argument itself is so has no basis. And if you're talking about the the um, argument that you're saying right now, nobody thinks that he hurt the team. That's not a, it's not something that is is thought of when you think about Derek Jeter. Like that's not a normal storyline. That's not a narrative around his career. I'm sorry, it's just not. And so to counteract that would be counteracting something that doesn't almost basically doesn't exist. Oh, I mean, I think people think that. I mean, uh, a very few small people, small majority of people think that. And none of which is really held as a detriment to his career in total. Yeah, he won too goddamn much. Right, and he won, and, and he, I mean, the team was good until 2012, which was essentially the end for Jeter. He breaks his ankle; that's the end for Jeter. Yeah, sure. And he was still a, a, a really good player in 2012. If he doesn't break his ankle, maybe he's a better player in 2013, which is probably going to be his last year, or 2013 and 2014. He's he's a better player than he ended up being because he's not rehabbing from injury. And, and maybe he's looked at slightly differently. I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, okay. He's still <laughs> an all-time all guy. And, and, uh, and, and anybody who's talking about this stuff is going to be either a Yankee hater or someone who just doesn't understand what they're talking well, about. Well, I think the MVP thing, if he does have an MVP award, I think I think that helps his case. Like to be an MVP, whether it's justified or not, you're looked at as you were the best player in the sport that year. You were the best. And I think that helps from like a people who don't really know People who didn't watch him every day. People who just saw maybe. the tail end of the career because it was closer to his retirement and they're watching a guy who's a shell of himself. Not a sh- yeah, not even a shell of himself. Just, That's not even close to fair. Just some not as jackass, good. Some 23-year-old jackass who's a Los, Angel- Los Angeles Dodgers fan right now saying Derek Jeter is overrated. 
if he's looking back at his baseball reference, he's like, oh, man, 99. Jeter won the MVP. Yeah. I think that helps. Yeah. He's probably not looking at baseball reference. And I don't care about that 23-year-old Dodger fan at all. <laughs> um, so, but I forget. What did you say? You do care that if he goes in with Schilling? Yeah, you know, it's like I, I would rather it not go in with Schilling if, if we're being honest. Schilling's the jackass. Who wants Kurt Schilling to be sharing a stage of, with Derek Jeter? Nobody. I guess. I don't think if I, I had the choice, I, I legitimately would say don't no, think anybody. But like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care at the end of the day, but no, I don't want him there. And I hope, and I hope baseball writers are petty enough to not put him up there with Derek Jeter because they What understand. if they do two different ceremonies? What if like one of them's on a Saturday, one of them's on a Sunday? Because the 2020 is going to be on like, they do a whole weekend, 2020 Saturday, 2021 Sunday. Yeah. Man, that'd be a lot of people in that small town. I, I don't know. I think they'll probably do it in one, in one swoop, honestly. They will do it in one setting. Yeah. But yeah. Do I think it would be better if Schilling were there? <laughs> yes, I think Schilling should have his own ceremony in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> Who's funding that? Because like, he bankrupted us. Yeah, I think he should go there and just spit on the grave, put some ketchup on his socks, and get inducted that way. Do it via uh, telecom. All right. Um... That's it. We're done. That's all I want to talk about. We're t- that's all. That's all I have to say. We're, about d- that. we're done. <laughs> um, stay tuned for the history episodes. I did the the appearance policy. I've, I felt it was fitting to do the appearance policy last week because we're all going through a little bit of appearance policy difficulties in our quarantine life. No haircuts, no beard trims, nothing like that going on. I'm taking the beard trimmers to my head. And uh, and the beard, yeah. I'm f- Let's see the hair right I- now. I've faded in and out. Oh, it's going to be a hat head, but it's actually not that bad. Yeah, yours does. Yours doesn't look that different than it always looks. Because I'm an, I'm an artist. A, I'm an artist. My, mine's mine's just a mess, an absolute mess. You know what's funny is that I actually use <laughs> I actually use the Manscaped ball trimmer. Uh-huh. On my beard, I've never used it. You're not. Supposed I've never to do used that. it. Cop, the ad copy said not to. Do I've that. never used it on the nether regions, but I, it is a good beard trimmer. Also, like it's not really that weird to use the same one on your 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 ball area. Clearly, like, clearly, the, you have used it on both. That's why you're yes, saying I, this. Yeah, yes, I have. That's, Who cares? That's disgusting. It's my it's my ball. It's disgusting. From all we learned about this coronavirus stuff, there's more germs getting on your face than getting on your balls. You're gonna you're gonna grow a scrotum under your chin. <laughs> a ball chinian? You're gonna, it's you're from gonna, uh, Men in Black Two. Yes, you're gonna. That's a Men in Black Two deep reference. It's gonna be like a like a like a frog breathing. You're gonna have just loose Ugh. skin. It's gonna be like a. A You're gonna look like uh, like Fat Bastard in Austin Powers three. Uh, by the way, I watched all the Austin Powers movies. That's why I'm making so many Austin Powers references. <laughs> Austin Powers three when Fat Bastard loses all the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have a lot of loose skin and old balls. Austin Powers one and two still hold up to me. I I was not a fan of Austin Powers three watching back. I'm not a big sequel guy. I don't get into a lot of the sequels honestly. I usually cut it. I mean, Austin Powers 1 and 2 are basically an extended movie of each other. They're like an hour and 20 minutes each, so they go by like it's just one movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't remember the second one. I definitely don't remember the third one. Barely remember the first one. They're on Netflix if you want to okay. check them out. Thanks. Um, 
we were gonna end this, right? Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're I think we were done like five minutes ago. Bye everybody. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.